Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast, where I interview leaders in allied healthcare, entrepreneurs, and those on the path to financial independence. In this episode, we uncover the world of canine therapy with Dr. Francisca Maya, the owner of the Canine PT, Canine Rehabilitation and Wellness Cash-Based Mobile Practice. Francisco shares with us how to become a canine PT and what courses you need to take, as well as the challenges and advantages of treating animals and running a mobile clinic for animals. Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast. I am so excited to be here with Francisco Maya. He is the canine PT expert and the newly released owner of the canine PT, correct? That's correct. Hey, awesome. Emma, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my name is Francisco. I'm located in Chicago and I have my own canine rehabilitation business called uh, the canine PT, which some of you listeners might have seen it online already. Uh, well, you are just a growing brand, and I'm so excited that you are teaching more people how to become an animal physical therapist or an animal therapist, because I just think that's a neat, really a neat route. So why don't you share sort of what inspired you to become a canine PT? Yeah, so the the canine PT thing kind of like came by accident almost. So I had, I went to school uh, for physical therapy, always knew that I wanted to go into physical therapy, but thought I wanted to work with athletes, active adults, that kind of population. And then uh, I was a couple of years out of school back in 2014. I was working with that population, but I, I wasn't fulfilled. And um, at that point, I was working still at, um, at a large corporation. And I was getting those feelings of burnout that a lot of us had experienced that kind of like year and a half, two years out of school kind of thing where, you know, I had gotten promoted a couple of times within that company. I was a clinic director for one of their local small clinics. But once I got to that position, I realized that that really wasn't what, what I wanted. It wasn't what I had in mind. And I started just opening up my, um, my, uh, my searches to see kind of like what was out there as far as other options to continue working in the field of rehab. And then at that time, coincidentally, one of my former co-workers, she was just about to take the first course to get certified in canine rehab. And that was the first time I even heard of it. So I'm actually really jealous because I get contacted a lot by students, physical therapy students, even a few high school students that they found about the field of canine rehab and they're really interested in learning more about it. And I, I, I get really jealous that they're already going into PT school with the mindset of going into canine rehab. But so I was a couple of years out of it. And then as soon as I've heard from that, um, from that coworker, it really like, triggered my attention. I started asking her questions. She went, took her course. I was asking a couple questions when she got back. She was telling me how it was, how awesome it was. So I, I went online. I tried to find information online and honestly didn't find much online. There wasn't much out there telling kind of like, this is what this field is and everything. But I spoke to my wife who has been super supportive this whole time. And she's, you know, uh, even more of a dog lover probably than I am. And she was like, you know what, you, you need to do this. So back, so this was back in 2014, decided to start taking the, the certification courses because it can take a while. It's not just a weekend course. So I started doing those in um, January of 2014, finished those up, uh, 
December of 2014 and did an internship that you finished with a 40-hour internship in March of 2015 and then pretty much have been working with animals since that time. Oh, that's so amazing. I'm so jealous of you. I want to work with animals. That's so amazing. I know a lot of people, like you said, really want to get into this career route. Can you go a little deeper and sort of walk us through um, the exact steps to become uh, an animal or a canine PT? Yeah, so it is, you know, it's a very new field. Uh, it started about like 20 or so years ago, and it but really, really started growing a lot in the last five years or so. And, um, and there's a few different people that can work in the field. So you can be a veterinarian, you can be a, a vet tech or a veterinarian nurse, and you can be a physical therapist as well. And physical therapy assistants, um, can as well and i'll touch base on that in a little bit but you see a variety of different people that can get into this field because at least in the united states that it is today there is no there's no degree in canine rehab it's not like you can go to college to be uh, a canine therapist so one of those professions if you have a degree one of those professions then you can get a uh, certification in canine rehab and currently in the United States there are two places that you can go for that one which is the one I did is the canine rehabilitation institutes that they offer courses both in Florida and Colorado and then the other option is the Northeastern Seminars which is also known as that the University of Tennessee program and that one they offer uh their courses, of course, in Tennessee and some courses in, in different cities that kind of like travel around a little bit as well. But those are primarily the, the two main places that we can go to get certified. And just to touch base with the, with the PTAs, which I'm sure there is, um, there's going to be quite a few PTAs listening to this since I do get contacted by PTAs that are kind of interested in learning more. So the Canine Rehab Institute does not accept PTAs as a student any longer. The Northeastern Seminars does. And the reason behind it is I've asked uh, the Canine Rehab Institute about it. And um, their response was that they don't accept anymore unless the PTA has uh, an agreement, a letter from, uh, from a clinic run by a PT or a veterinarian that they're going to be employing that person over there. Because what was happening is that PTAs were getting through the certification program over there. And then afterwards, they were having a really hard time finding a position to work, primarily because veterinary clinics were tending and still tend to hire vet techs instead of PTAs, because whenever the schedule is not busy, they can pull those vet techs to work on different aspects of the clinic, where the PTA because of their training, are mostly just limited to the rehab portion of it. So that's why CRI requires that employment letter from, from PTA. So it doesn't mean that PTAs can't go through the certification, but it's kind of nice that they're not just, you know, collecting your, your money and taking your time and they're kind of like worrying about you being able to find a job or not afterwards. Um, but just to quickly break down, both places, because I'm assuming people are probably wondering, okay, what is the difference between those two places? So the Canine Rehab Institute, I, I chose personally to go through them because it's a, a more hands-on learning. Uh, we, we do spend more time in the classroom. It's three different modules uh, that total 13 days of in-class time. It doesn't mean that you're doing those 13 days straight. You're doing a module you know, each time. So you're there for maybe like four or five days or so, and then you go back home. Oh, which by the way, another thing I should mention, both of those courses are 
are done as distance learning. So it's not like you're moving to a place to go through the certification. But so, so you're traveling, doing that course and going back home. And then you have some homework. You have like an exam. Um, and then you do the second course and then the third course. And then after the end of the third course with them, then you qualify to do the 40-hour internship. Um, they do also have some online lectures, but the majority of it is done in person, which for me, that's the route I chose to go because I was always a very hands-on learner through, through school and everything. So I knew that that would be the best fit for me, um, where the Northeastern Seminars program, the nice thing is that it's a little bit more flexible because it's, uh, it's a little bit heavier on the online components. So for PTs that have a hard time finding the time to go to the courses, it, it, it makes a nice option. But the drawback is that you don't, you don't get as much hands-on training. I forgot right now from the top of my head how many days it is, but I believe it's about like five or six days of in-person lab that you do. Um, you do the lectures online and then you all go and, and you meet to do the labs in person. So, sorry, you can hear my dog. <laughs> but, um, but anyways, so that's the main difference, I think. Usually I tell people CRI is more hands-on, where um, Northeastern Seminar is a little bit more flexible with the online components. So you kind of like find whatever works best for you and go from there. No, thank you for going so in-depth in that. I appreciate that because I know a lot of people are are probably looking at the websites, looking into it and wondering, because right. it is a big investment. I think it's several thousands of dollars and, and time to do that. So you really want to make the make the right choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned, it's not just a weekend course. It's a series of courses with a certificate and everything. So uh, especially if you have to travel um, and stay at a hotel and everything, it, it, it adds up pretty quickly. So it's, it's an investment that before you decide to, to go into it, you definitely want to look at your options and, and make sure that you're making the correct decision. And that's why I always recommend everyone that contacts me, especially like students, to, to go shadow someone, you know, that's usually the first thing I tell them. Just like when we were pre-PT students, you know, we were told to go shadow different areas of physical therapy to learn what they're about and see if PT is really what we want to do. That's what I tell them. Just see if you can find uh, a canine physical therapist close to you or a veterinary clinic that, that does rehab and just go see what's about, see what they're doing, even if for just a half a day or a couple hours. But at least it allows you that exposure to have a better idea if this is something uh, you want to invest in or not. Oh, 100%. I think you're exactly right. Whatever you want to do, you want to make sure that you're actually enjoying the investment, just like with regular physical therapy clinics, outpatient, acute care, you want to go mm-hmm. and see the actual setting. And just a side note from personal experience, I want to share this to the listeners, that if you are thinking about becoming an a canine PT or an animal therapist, um, some clinics will actually pay for you to get that um, extra education. I know when I was just uh, after I graduated from PT school, I had the ability to go and shadow for a couple days um, at a local animal physical therapy clinic. It was sort of like a veterinarian clinic combo. And if they were to have hired me full time, I chose to actually go on to another position. But if they would have hired me, they would have sponsored me to take the actual certification. So a lot of people, if you're truly, truly interested in this, maybe look into um, positions in your area or clinics in your area and see, express your interest and then see if they'll sponsor you to take those extra certification courses. 
Yeah, that's always an option. I've heard of some PTs going through that. I know a lot of vets, especially vet techs, go through when they clinic do cover um, their costs, which, uh, you know, if you're just out of school and you're, 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 you're tied on a budget, that's definitely an option. Uh, the major drawback is that I would assume that clinic would require you to sign a contract. So just making sure you're, you're, you're reading the fine print on it and not getting into something that, that wouldn't be best for your long-term future. No, 100%. Always, always look at any contract you sign. That's with everything. Um, so because you are now treating animals and, and dogs and, and that, what are the challenges compared to treating people? That's a good question. Um, I think it's, there are definitely challenges. They're just different set of challenges. Um, I would say the major challenge that you learn with experience is the, the handling technique, right? So the dog handling to get the patient to do what you want to do, uh, to get the patient to relax as well. And that's actually one of the major benefits um, I've noticed by having a mobile business instead of working at a clinic like I used to work before is that the patients are actually a lot more relaxed when I see them at home, where at times when I worked at a clinic, they were just so hyped up from like going on a car ride and arriving to the clinic that it would take them like five, 10 minutes just to settle down a little bit, where in their home, they tend to settle down much, much quicker. So it works out to, to my advantage. But I would say that in the beginning for physical therapists, that's the major challenge is it's the handling technique uh, to get the patients to do what you want them to do, but also to keep you safe, right? Because you, you, you're going to be examining patients that, that are in pain and are in, in discomfort. And, um, and you got to learn how to read the body language, how to read the signs that they're giving to you to back off. Um, a lot of times, especially physical therapists ask me, you know, how, how do you know what you're doing? Because the patient is not giving you the feedback of this hurts, you know, or this is too much, I'm sore and everything. And I usually tell people that they do actually. And you just have to learn how to read the response and, and but their body language really gives away. And actually I, I even joke that it's nice because they don't lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you learn how to read their body language, you, you're going to know if what you're doing is, it's it's feeling good or not if it's causing more pain or discomfort they're going to give you the sign to back up back back off and you have to learn get better at reading those signs because that's how you're going to keep yourself safe as well um and even with patients that are in pain there's certainly um different ways that you can assess the patient but still while protecting your body so that way if that patient does um react to your touch or anything you're still protecting yourself from from you know uh, a major accident happening uh, yeah i'm pretty sure i can read if a dog is mad or happy so <laughs> i think yeah <laughs> you, you can but you you'll be surprised sometimes um uh, it's an interesting concept for people because he, my, my clients you know and, and i say clients the pet parents or the clients and I call my uh, my dogs the patients so my clients ask me they're like how do you know they're in pain and I explain to them you know they're going to give you like a little side eye or they're going to very slightly uh, show their teeth or like that the hair on the back of their neck goes up a little bit there's all these different nuances that you should learn how to read it you're going to know that they're in pain and same thing when when I talk to them about soreness right I'm always educating them especially after the first visit or so that you know, a lot of the patients that are zero older patients. So I tell them, look, you know, 
we work hard today more than than your dog has worked in a while. So more than likely, they're going to be sore. You know, just like if we haven't gone to the gym in two or three months and we go back to it, we're going to be sore. It's going to be the same thing with them. And then they ask, they're like, well, how do I know they're sore? And I explain, well, usually they're going to avoid getting around too much. They're going to be slow to get up from the floor. They're, they might avoid different activities like jumping up on the sofa or the bed or might hesitate going up downstairs and stuff like that. And I explain that that's just usually signs of soreness that, that it's a normal response to the treatment and it should go away within 24 to 48 hours or so. And, and that's a big part of it. It's, it's the client educational component because if I treat that, that patient and then the next day that patient is doing worse because it's sore, but I didn't explain that to the client, then that's bad because the client's going to think that the patient is actually doing worse. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of communication with, uh, with the pet parent. And I would say even more than it is, when I was doing human PT. So that's another myth too that, you know, I get a lot. It's like, oh, you know, I want to work with dogs because I'm I'm tired of dealing with humans. And, and my response, I always laugh at it because you're, you're still dealing with humans, but it's just at a different perspective in a different way. And you still need to be on point with your communication and your uh, educational components. So that way the point is getting across. And I even say that your communication is even more important when you're working with animals compared to humans because I'm educating the client on behalf of the patient. So I need to do a very good job doing the educational component. Otherwise, I'm doing a disservice to to that patient, to that dog, because I'm not educating the pet parent about how things are are, are going and what to expect, you know, where a lot of times with humans, uh, if we drop the ball here and there, you know, it's, it's easier to make amends per se. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest advantages of working with canines and some of the things you like most of working with this population? Ah, the biggest advantage from from a personal perspective, I would say it's just working with the dogs. I mm-hmm. mean, there's not a bad day, you know. It's I think we've all experienced, you know, working with humans, then you know, you have those patients that they walk into the clinic uh, or walk into the uh, the rehab room and they just kind of like drain the, everything that's going on just because they're such in a bad mood or their personality is just not great and stuff. And that's something that I, I just don't see with the boss because they're always excited. They're always happy to see you. Um, so that's kind of like from from the personal perspective, I'll, I'll say that's the biggest advantage of it. From a business perspective, um, I would say it's the fact that it's it's a cash uh, based model, right? So so there are pet insurance companies, and um, and it is a, a growing, a very fast growing market the pet insurance business. But it still is just about, I think last time I saw it was about 15% of pet owners actually had pet insurance policies. So even when they do have pet insurance policy, they're still paying the provider um, for the service. And then the provider, like myself, gives them a receipt that they can submit for their insurance company for for them to give them a check, uh, refunding what they're owed, depending on the policy. So even the ones that do have pet insurance, you're not dealing directly like we're dealing on the on the human side of things. And from the business perspective, that's that that's one of the biggest things because it, it makes things so much easier. Uh, because as we all know, insurance constraints with documentation and payment and billing and all that kind of stuff can 
can take a big drain on the business. So when you take that away and just make everything cash-based, it just makes things a lot smoother and a lot easier. Speaking of businesses, I know you have a mobile canine PT business. Can you go into, you know, uh, some details as to how you created that, um, some of the benefits of, you already went into cash benefits, but, um, and a little bit of the mobile, but just how you, how you run a mobile canine practice? Yeah, so let me back up and tell a little bit, listener, like how, how that came about then. So so I got my certification in canine rehab back in um, um, spring of 2015. And then, so when I decided to go through the certification, that, like I said, with my wife's full support, like I have no idea what was going to be about it. You know, like I knew eventually I want to work with animals, but I didn't know if it was going to be something right away, something five years from then, something 10 years from then. But I was like, you know what? At one point I want to work with animals. So I might as well just go ahead and do the certification now because it was a good time in our lives to do that. So I did that. And then, um, by good timing, that was around the same time that my wife was finishing her education at the University of Pittsburgh as well. So we were looking to move, especially moving back to the Midwest because she's from Indiana. And, um, and an opportunity came about for me to, to move to Chicago and work for a veterinary clinic as one of their uh, canine physical therapists. So it was just the perfect timing, move back to the Midwest, closer to the family and be working in this field. So that's how we ended up in Chicago. So I worked at the clinic for uh, two years and then I left them last September to open um, my mobile business. But the canine PT itself, it started back in um, April of 2016 and it was actually just a blog. So what happened is that, like I mentioned, when I was looking for more information about canine certification, I could barely find anything online. So after I got, you know, established in the field and I was working for a while, I was like, you know what, let me just start a blog, just kind of like telling my experience, just telling people kind of like, this is what's out there as far as canine rehab, this is how things work, and just start spreading the word a little bit. So that's how the canine PT actually started it as a blog. And... Um, then with time, what I've realized working, especially in a city like Chicago, is that there was a vast need for someone to be doing this on a mobile basis. Now, I should say as well that during this whole time while, while I was working at the spec clinic, I was also still doing some uh, home health PRN on the human side of things to supplement my income. So I was driving around Chicago. I was seeing all this, you know, different animals in different neighborhoods and stuff and and. And it started brewing up in my head. It's like, huh, maybe I can combine these two things together. Because at the same time, I was seeing patients at the clinic where I was working at that for one reason or the other had a really hard time getting to the clinic. So we're talking about, for example, really large uh, dogs that live maybe on the second or third floor. And it's really hard for them to like go downstairs, get on the car, get on a car ride for 30 minutes or whatever. By the time they'll get to the clinic, they'll be like super exhausted. So those would be like some of the patients that, you know, that I started noticing, uh, older patients too, same issue, or sometimes, um, especially in a city like Chicago, a lot of pet owners don't own a car. So, you know, they're trying to get a, a share ride or Uber or something like that to get to the clinic. And of course, that's not ideal either. So there was all different kind of segments of the population that I started noticing that could benefit from, from something mobile. And then I started looking around and there was no one really doing it. 
at least in the heart of Chicago where I'm at. That was, there's a few people doing just outside more in the suburbs of Chicago, but no one willing to drive around the actual city of Chicago. So that's how the, that's how the idea from the mobile business came about. So I left, left that position in that clinic September of 2017 and then um, opened up, opened up my, my, my mobile business right away. And then at that point, it just made sense since I had already had a web page and uh, I had a decent following on social media and everything to just transition the P9PT, the blog, to the P9PT, K9 Rehabilitation and Wellness, which it, that's what it is today. Awesome. Uh, do, you, do you mind, and this is sort of a, a in, you know, you can say no, but what, do you, what is sort of an average salary for a canine yeah. therapist? No, I don't mind sharing because that's a great question. And it's something that actually it's a big issue and it draws away a lot of people that would love working in this field. Because unfortunately, what happens is that not all clinics, but a lot of clinics um, tend to underpay compared to what we make as, as, as uh, human PTs, right? And there is a variety of reasons why uh, that happens. Um, some some are legit, some I don't agree with, but um, the major argument is that, that they say is that there's not as much money in veterinary medicine as there is in, in, in human medicine, which to a certain extent, it, it is true. You know, look at all this large, you know, healthcare companies and hospital conglomerates and stuff. Of course, there's more money there than it is in veterinary medicine, but, but there is money to be made in veterinary medicine but what happens is that these clinics a lot of times tend to look at physical therapists more as um as an assistant instead of like an independent practitioner and because of that they tend us to pay a, a little bit more than what they paid their vet techs but not nearly as much as they would pay someone else, like their veterinarian. So that's a big issue. And that was also one of the issues why I realized also around this time last year that I needed it to find a way to make canine rehab work for me, right? And what what happened is that um, I, I shared this story a few times and I'm going to start sharing more and more, but I was making $20 an hour as a canine physical therapist, which... You know, it's <laughs> if you do the math, it's not much at all. So that's why I was doing the home health um, uh, PRN gig. And there's different ways that PTs that work in this field go around that. You know, one way is what I did is doing the PRN, especially home health, that it works really well because you can fit patients around your schedule and it pays well. Uh, another way that PTs do is to just go part-time and can we have maybe two or three days a week and keep working with humans the other days. Um but I was working probably close to 60 hours a week between both jobs and, and still, you know, still not making enough. And I realized that although I loved what I was doing, although it was my passion, I was starting getting those feelings of burnout again that I got before. And I knew that if I, want, if I wanted to make canine rehab work for me in the long term professionally, that I needed to change things. And I knew also that I did not want to go back into doing human BT. I knew that my calling was to do canine rehab. So that's when I connected with the person who is now my mentor, Greg Todd, went through his coursework, learned everything that I need to learn to get the business off the ground. And, um, and that was 
the, the biggest life decision that I ever made. Because if it wasn't for that, the K9 PT wouldn't be where it is today. And I've I've been able to show, I think, to a lot of, of PTs in the field that if you're willing to put in the work, um, you know, which of course it's not easy to start your own business, that you can make it successful, both from a, a professional and personal side of things, but also from a financial side of things, because we, we all want to be comp- compensated accordingly to what our skill sets are. And I don't think it's fair for any clinic to be paying a PT $20, $25 an hour. Now, I'll, I'll say that $20 was probably in the very low range than what I've made PTs making in this field. There are PTs making um, significantly more than that, but they're not making the same as they do as human PTs. And that's, like I said, a huge drawback because you get all these people really interested on it because they're students or they're young PTs and they've heard about it. And once they contact someone, once they reach out to a canine PT that they found online asking about it, they're hearing all this stuff. It's like, oh yeah, it's great, but you're not going to make as much money. So then suddenly you have a young PT with six digits student loan debt, you know, and then you're asking them to spend another seven, eight thousand dollars to get certified into something that's going to make them less money. Well, of course, it doesn't make any sense. So I feel that that's actually been a big negative within PTs getting into this field, which that now that I've made my business successful, it's become one of my one of my major goals is to show the PTs like, no, you can do this. You know, it is an investment. Don't look at it as another expense. It is an investment that you're making on yourself so you can actually work in this field and make it, um, make it successful. But, but um, where I was going, but anyway, so I made one of my life goals to show PTs that this, this could be done in a way that at the very least you, you should be able to make the same amount of money that you do as human PT. Um, if you're willing to be then a business owner, if you're willing to expand the business and grow, then of course, just like any business, then you can make more money. But, but that's, that's a huge drawback. And that's something that I'm trying to change because right now the, the field of canine rehab in general is it's very weighted towards veterinarians and vet techs. There's not as many PTs out there doing this work. And we need to, and there is interest from PTs, but we just need to get more PTs out there, more PTs working. And that's how we're going to start um, showing our value, showing that, you know, to, to the vet clinics and to the public that there is a difference between what we do as PTs and between what some places do by just putting a patient in the underwater treadmill and calling that rehab. So, so that's one, uh, that's one of my, my, my big goals that I, you know, that I want to accomplish in, in the long run as well. Well, I love that. I always appreciate people who are trying to spread the word of physical therapy and trying to grow our, our practice and, teach people that we are experts in the field, even if it is with canine uh, physical therapy. And so thank you, Francisco, for being awesome and being on fire. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it is, it is truly my passion. And I think there's, it just, it just, you know, you would break my heart sometimes to hear from people interested on that, but then they'll be like, oh no, I can't make that investment and make less money, which I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, yeah. why, why would you do that? I mean, I did and you can call me, <laughs> you can call me stupid at one point for it, but I was able to find a way around it because I knew that wasn't going to be sustainable in the long run. So, 
Would you recommend for, um, say, new graduates who know and who are planning to become canine PTs, would you recommend that they work under someone for like a year or six months and then open up their own cash practice? Or what's your thoughts on that? Well, let me say that even though I wasn't make a whole lot of money as a canine PT, I, I don't regret doing that route. And because I did learn quite a bit working where I was working, stuff that helped me from the clinical side of things to what I do today. Um, but, you know, maybe hindsight 2020, I just shouldn't have stayed for two years. But mm-hmm. I didn't know Greg thought up until that point. So that's why. <laughs> but I, I still recommend some sort of experience. And, and just to back away a little bit too, I do recommend um, uh, new grad PTs to work with humans for at least a year or so before we even start the certification in canine rehab. And I get that question quite a lot. You know, when should I do it? And the major reason I do recommend that it's because that first year of being a PT, that's when you really grow your your skills. And by skills, I don't mean just your, your clinical skills. Yeah, you grow that quite a bit during the first year. But that's when you really grow your communication skills, your time management skills of being able to handle multiple things. And, and that's how you grow as a clinician. And I tell people, look, you're, you want to within the first year, really focus on those things first before trying to learn something completely new like canine rehab, you know? So I usually recommend focus on that first and then start your certification in canine rehab. I think in the long run, that's going to pay off a lot more. Now, once they're kind of like getting their feet wet in canine rehab, um, I think there's, you know, different ways to go about it. Um, if you can work at a place to get some experience, but at the same time, kind of like start growing your social media presence and start growing something that you can transition into your own business, I think that would be great. Um, although, you know, sometimes that's not always an option. Um, I think as the field grows and we get more PTs working on it, hopefully there's going to be more businesses owned by PTs. They're going to recognize that PTs should be making the same amount of money that we do as human PTs. So, you know, as I grow my business in Chicago and I, as, as I in the future start hiring PTs to work for me, yeah, I'm not going to pay them $20 an hour. You know, I, I'm going to pay them what I think they should be paid, which is the same as they do in human PT, you know. And, and I can do that because... Because I, I, I'm running, you know, I'm running a good business. And that's one of the things that, that you know, when, when we're talking about why clinics pay PTs so little, you know, I kind of mentioned that some of the things I don't agree with. And, and, and this is one of them. It's the way the business is run. Um, first of all, I think a lot of clinics are completely undercharging for their services. And if you're, if you're charging, if you're not charging enough for your services, how can you expect to pay the people providing those services what they should be paid? Like that's probably the number one biggest issue. And, and I don't mean, you know, for, for the listener to sound greedy or anything like that, but we all should be compensated accordingly and we all need to charge accordingly for the services that we provide. Um, and then the other biggest thing too, I think is the, um, the extra expenses that some of this business take on, especially in the field of canine rehab, a lot of these clinics are opening. And as soon as they open, they want to get an underwater treadmill. And an underwater treadmill is kind of like the, um, 
the, the alter G of canine rehab, right? So it costs another one of treadmill, depending on how much remodeling you have to do in your in your building, it can cost like thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars just to get installed. So not even talking the maintenance and the cost of running it. So you, unless you're running that treadmill like all day long and charging accordingly for it, it's it's just going to be a big money pit, you know, and that's a big issue that clinics are spending a lot of money in things like the underwater treadmill and some other uh, equipments as well because they think that that's what the public wants, you know, but that's where we as PTs can really come and make a difference in this field because the the unique skill set that PTs have it and no one else working in the field of canine rehab has is the fact that we are trained to be very uh, minimalist with the things that we need to do our treatment. So I tell people my biggest asset are my hands and my knowledge. With my hands and my knowledge, I can treat any patient I want, you know. And that's sometimes a, a question that I get from, from clients that find me online and they contact me and they're like, how can you do this without an underwater treadmill? You know, and I explain to them that when you're rehabbing from your total knee replacement or from your um, ACL tear or anything, did the clinic that you go to had a had an underwater treadmill that you were using? And they're going to be like, no. And I'm like, yeah. And I asked them, I was like, what did you do? And they're like, well, we did strength and exercise, gradually building up the strength. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we do. So we just do a progressive strengthening program. We do the hands-on treatment. We do the modalities as needed, but we don't need to make it complicated. And that that's the mindset that physical therapists have, but no one else working in this field has. And that's why I tell PTs that we are really – um, our knowledge and our skill set, it makes us um, perfect to thrive into this field. All we need to learn is how to appropriately um, run our business if we want to run a business or how to, um, how to make ourselves worth it more, right? So if a clinic is like, okay, I'm going to pay you you know, $20 an hour, then, okay, you can be stupid like me and take that job. Or you can be like, okay, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I, I am a PT. I, I'm training canine rehab and I know how to do treatment. But you know what? I'm, I also know a lot about marketing. I know a lot about Facebook ads. I know a lot about how to generate leads and bring in new patients. Now, if I can do that for you in addition to treating patients, how much is that worth it? I can tell you right now, that's worth it dozens of thousands of dollars to any clinic that's running a good business. Now, some clinics, they, they don't appreciate that. They're still trying to market in the way that healthcare marketing the 90s, trying to market to, you know, what would be the equivalent of physicians to vets, just get vets to send the patients and stuff. And, you know, they, they don't recognize that marketing has changed so much, especially in the, in the age of social media, that, that if someone has that skill set, that's worth thousands and thousands of dollars to them. Well, Francisco, what is your final piece of advice for someone wanting to go into canine physical therapy and then also specifically more cash-based mobile canine physical therapy? Well, if you want to get into canine physical therapy in general, like I briefly mentioned before, I think shadowing and trying to find out more information about it, that would be like the first step to find out if that's something that you want to put the time and the financial commitment into it. 
And, um, but other than that is don't be scared by, by the financial side of things. Like I said, I've, I've, I'm, I'm leaving proof that, that this can be done. You know, now if you're expecting to go into canine PT and just, just work as a staff PT at a clinic where they just feed you patients, like, like, you know, we're, we're used sometimes when we work for a large, uh, human physical therapy company, then, then expect that you're not going to get paid as much as a human PT. But if you're willing to, to learn different aspects, and it doesn't even mean learning how to run a business, because I know running a business is not for everyone. But like I said, even little things, you know, how to bring in more patients, how to do social media, that kind of stuff, that, that already offsets the, the salary. And you can, make, you, can, you, can make, you can arguably make it the same that you do as a human PT, but as a canine PT, treating the patients and maybe also helping them with generating leads. So, so that'll be my first thing. Don't, be, don't, don't let the financial side of things scare you. Of course, know that that's an investment, but, but know that there is different ways around it that you can make this very successful, especially if, if it's your passion and you're willing to put in the work into it. Um, for those that are thinking about doing, uh, like more on the mobile side, um, well, actually let me, let me back away a little bit. The other thing that I would, that, that I do need to bring it up to is the legislation side of things. And I'm sorry if this is going too long, Emma, but the biggest thing with canine rehab nowadays from the politics side of it is the legislation where there are some states that it's really good as far as PTs working with animals. Illinois is good. Colorado is good. Utah, Nevada. There's like Oregon. There's quite a few states that are really good. However, there are some states that are really bad, unfortunately. So for example, New York, you cannot work with animals unless you're a vet or a vet tech. Uh, Texas is super restrictive as well. And, and there's a bunch of states that it's just a huge gray area, you know? So, so one of the things I would say in addition to like shadowing and looking more into it is join the animal rehab special interest group within the orthopedic section of the APTA. Start getting more involved because we do need to change the legislation. We do need to make uh, canine rehab more accessible by allowing PTs to work with, with, with these patients. So that would be another thing. But Anyways, going back to the mobile side of things, I think it would be one to know your legislation because unfortunately, the way I run my business in Chicago, in Illinois, it, you can't run that in every state because in some states you're required to work under the same roof as a veterinarian. So that already creates a limitation as well. So another reason to, to get more involved with the legislation and everything. But if you want to, at one point, if you think about it, you know, I might want to learn how to have my own business is find a mentor, um, find someone that either has experience in, 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 in the human PT side of things. Like I found with Greg Todd, who taught me a lot of what I know, or find a mentor, someone that, that canine rehab side of things that can, that can uh, guide you and teach you the ways because it's, it's a lot of work. It's very rewarding to, to own your business, but it's a lot of work. And I, I do realize it's not for everyone, but if you're willing to, to put in the time, put in the work is very rewarding. Speaking of mentors, uh, the very last question, where can people contact you if they want information, if they have some questions about becoming a canine PT? Yeah, so uh, if you want to follow my business page, I'm uh, the K9PT, D-H-E-K-A, number nine PT, all over social media. So Facebook, Instagram, or the K9PT.com. Um, if you want to learn more about 
how to get more information about becoming a canine PT. I actually created a Facebook group to address those issues because I was getting so many emails, like three to five emails or Facebook messages every week asking more or less the same questions. So I created this Facebook group to help with that. So um, if you go to caninephysicaltherapist.com and canine spelled out canine, it, it redirects to my Facebook group, which the Facebook group is also called Canine Physical Therapist. But if you go to caninephysicaltherapist.com, it's going to redirect you over there. Okay, perfect. And I will put all these links in the show notes. So if people are confused as to where to go, you can just go to debtfreept.com slash podcast and Francisco's um, show notes will come up. And then in that show notes will be links to his Facebook page, his Facebook group, um, his website, and any other resources that we've mentioned um, on this on this podcast. But Francisco, thank you so much for being an advocate for canine physical therapists and for, for, um, just, you know, taking the leap. I think you're a good example that you can pretty much do anything you put your mind to, you know, if you want to be a canine PT, even if it's low pain, you market yourself, you communicate well enough and you can be a rock star at this. And I have high hopes for you. And I know that you are just going to blow up even more. And so if people have any questions, um, Feel free to, you know, check out Francisco's page, the Canine PT, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. And so thank you again, Francisco, for being on this podcast and sharing all your information. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Therapist on Fire podcast. You can find the show notes and special offers for this episode and any other episode at debtfreept.com slash podcast.